<laughs> if I didn't meet you this morning ahead of time, I'm Brandy Hilton. We're so glad you're here this morning. And um, before I forget, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hallelujah. We're going to have a good week. It's going to be good. And uh, Spirit was reminding me up there in worship this morning of there's a scripture. It talks about how the Word of God, when the Word is sent forth from God, it doesn't come back to Him void or empty. Okay, so the Word of God, when He speaks, God's Word is going to accomplish what it was sent to do. Okay, so you believe it or not, that's our choice. But that's the truth. Because God is not a man that he would lie. So if he said it, it's truth. And so he was speaking that over this nation. And that the whole heart in thanksgiving is remembering. We're remembering and we're celebrating and feasting in Christ and with our families of God's word that was sent to the United States of America, to this land, to this continent. Because he so loved the world, he sent his son to save. So there was a group of people fleeing religious persecution and they said, we want to be free to worship God. That, my friends, is the heart of thanksgiving. And may we continue to teach our children and our children's children. It's not just about those thousands of pies, thousands of pies I have to make. But it is about what God did. He sent his word. And that word he put in people. And those people were placed and planted and they soared with where he put them. And that's the heart behind it. So we should be so grateful, so thankful, and know that God's word will not return void back to him in light of the nation. Amen? Amen. So today, if you go to Titus, New Testament book, it's a small one. I named this the qualities of a sound church and pure doctrine. God has been prophetically saying this through me a lot lately about pure doctrine. And so you understand sound doctrine. Sound means that it's wholesome and healthy. Okay. If you're physically sound, they would say you're wholesome and healthy. Wholesome and healthy doctrine is simply the teachings of Christ. It's God's word. It's instruction. Precepts that were established by God through Jesus. Amen. So God is talking and exhorting the body of Christ this morning of the qualities of a sound church. A healthy and wholesome church who has pure doctrine. So let's read Titus chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1. And here we go. He says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, 
sound in faith, in love, and in patience. The older women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good and obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Verse 6, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants, which those who are born into slavery, to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Wow. Beautiful Holy Spirit. Beautiful Holy Spirit who penned these words to the body of Christ. And as we go through this again, you'll see he's talking to the family of God. From the eldest to the youngest. Correct? And to the older men and older women, it's kind of like 50 and above. Say, I'm not old. Amen. Okay? To the older men and women... All right, all the way down to the younger men and women, yes, to the families and to the children, the grace of God is abounding to bring a revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. And with the spirit of truth, he is bringing the holiness of the Lord into the family. Because he knows this was written a really long time ago under the Roman Empire, And so they understood what evil looked like then. And they were called out. They were called out ones, holy ones, set apart to live for God. 
and, and nothing's really changed under the sun from empire to empire. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer, I've overcome it, said Jesus. And so he exhorts the body, he exhorts the family of God, not into legalism or legalistic ways, but adhere to and honor the words of Christ. So as we start at verse one, as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, Titus, the minister of God that's preaching and overseeing the flock. He encourages him to stay speaking everything that pertains to sound doctrine. Give what you have been taught by me. Adhere to, cling to the words of Christ. Adhere to the word of God. Reverence the word of God above everything else and don't let anyone trick you. Don't let anybody kick you down or push you out of the way with it. Stand fast in pure doctrine, sound doctrine. In verse 2, he says, so older men, so you will be sober. That doesn't mean just don't be drunk. Sober-minded, clear, attentive, thoughtful, thinking the way of God. Sober-minded. You understand? Be sober. Be reverent. Reverent means you're just worshiping a holy God. You have the fear of the Lord. You're reverent. You honor your elders. You honor one another. Yes, but most of all, we are reverent. We carry the presence of God in us. We carry the kingdom of God in us. So wherever we go in this life, we're carrying that reverence. It's not just something that you do on Sunday mornings or in the closet in prayer. It is a characteristic of a godly man. Be sober, be reverent, be temperate patient, sound in your faith. Don't let anyone <laughs> try to move you out of faith. Amen? Faith in God. Faith in his word. We're not called to be doubters, okay? We're called to be those who are full of faith. He calls them to be in love. The older men will be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in love. That doesn't mean just in love with their sweetheart wife, which we need that. But it means in love with God. And out of that, you're going to in love walk under God on this earth. In love. I read that to you earlier. You understand? And patience. So the older women likewise, reverent in behavior. You see the fear of the Lord. Because everything we're carrying is the presence of God. We give him glory in all things. God is honoring this. We're not busybody slopper slanderers. You know what slopper slanderers is? I have no idea why that just came out of me. But it has something to do. <laughs> it has something to do that God just says it's sloppy. Um, don't be a gossip, all right? That's new. A busybody. You know women. Mm-hmm. All right. Be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, but give, nor given to much wine, but teachers of good things. Women of God, teachers of good things. And the elder women understand. They've got experience. Teachers of good things. They know how to overcome. 
They know how to overcome. They know how to overcome. You hear it? And so they're going to admonish and support and encourage the younger women, and I love this, to love their husbands. This is God's order, to love your husband as you love the Lord. Submit to your husband as you would submit unto Christ. And then the husbands were called to love the women as Christ loves the church. That's a high call. And it's supposed to be in all of our members, not just the ministers and their requirements to be in ministry. It is the body of Christ. It's the family of God. These are qualities of a sound church. Pure doctrine. They admonish the young women to, slu- to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. And here's your goal. So the word of God may not be blasphemed. Because when they see the body of Christ, our attitude, how we talk, how we walk, how we interact with others, how we speak, how we judge, how we lead, how we govern in all of the places that God has placed us in the globe and in our city and in our homes, that God's not going to be mocked. God's going to be honored. And nor can he be blasphemed and be spoken against because of the good behavior and the Holy Ghost that we are walking in out of our own lives laid down before him in obedience to what he said. When you obey, man, the glory is there. Amen? And we're all growing up into this. That's the journey of love. We're all being perfected. Verse 6, he says, so exhort the young men to be sober-minded. There's that sober again. He said that to the men. He says it to the young men again. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Not just do a good work, but be a pattern of good works. Be an example of good works. So you're, yes and amen. They're like, man, man, that man, he's walking right. He's doing well in his job. He's got some character. He's got some integrity. You understand? They see your good works and they glorify your father in heaven. And boy, in an ungodly generation, you stand out like a sore thumb. You stand out like light in the world. Yes, exhort the young man. Don't give up. Be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. A pattern. A pattern. This is the way to God. A pattern of good works. And when the pattern is established, the glory is going to fill it because it's building the house. Amen? In doctrine, show integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. And out of that's going to come sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be totally ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. You're going to be so right with God, so clean with God, so walking with God, that even if they persecute you and come against you because of your faith or your reverence or your honesty or your integrity or whatever other godly characteristic you may be walking in, God says, you are not maligned. You're not going to be blasphemed. You're not going to be put to shame. And so we bless our enemies, yes. We pray for those who persecute us and say all kinds of evil against us. 
You know, it's amazing that you'd think that out of good characteristics, it would be the opposite. But that's, no, that's the work. The work of the flesh comes against the walk of Christ. Verse 9, he's exhorting the bondservants to those then at that time, the slaves, even with them, to be obedient to their masters. I mean, how far is Christ going here? The kingdom, there was no lid to it. It entered every walk of their life. Yes, he wasn't going to just leave them out. He knows where they were at. Yes, and as bondservants, he says, so be obedient to your own masters. This is the kingdom. Yes, and uh, to be well-pleasing in all things and don't talk back. Christ is all and in all. He didn't leave anybody out. Not pilfering, don't, don't steal a little heel of there, but, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Everything is coming back to this sound doctrine. So when they see us, the body of Christ, from the eldest to the youngest, no matter what our position in life is, right? The world will see the pure doctrine, the doctrine of our God and our Savior because we are living, breathing. Yes, we are testifying, we are caring, we are showing, we are demonstrating what God looks like how God thinks, how God acts, how God loves, how he saves, how he redeems, how he delivers us, how he hears our cry in a corrupt world. And yet we stand fast in what is right and what is true and what is pure and what is holy. Yes, you hear it. God is praised in this. And he goes into verse 11 that we're trained by that saving grace. Because he says, this is the glory. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This is why we can live this way. (laughs) And this grace that's come to us teaches us that denying ungodliness and all the worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. You hear that? My goodness, because of God's grace, we've been redeemed, saved, forgiven, being healed, delivered, made whole. We're renewing our mind to the way Christ thinks. We're talking like him, walking like him, healing like him, delivering like him, saving like him, have the attitude towards the Father like him, worshiping God like him, praising God like him, giving like he gives. He laid his whole life down to save us. He became poor that we might be made rich. So likewise, we are carrying that doctrine in us daily. I die daily that he might live, that he might be exalted, that he might be glorified. These are qualities of a sound church. Hallelujah. There is a possibility to deny ungodliness because it's beating at your door all the time. Worldly lusts that are always going after your mind, your thought, your will, and your emotions. He says, live soberly. Don't just think, but that's our lifestyle. Yes? Righteously. We've been made right with God through the blood of Jesus. We live now in his righteousness. Thank you, God. And godly. You might have heard this. She's a God-fearing woman. How many have heard that phrase? Yeah. You know what? Usually what the one there who say that is, woo, somebody that's kind of old. Just saying, oh yeah, you know, sister who's 85, she's a God-fearing woman. 
You know what I'm talking about. But that's to be said of every one of us. That we're God-fearing and they know that. They know that. They see that. And you're not over there just preaching over them. That you just walk in the room and the light of God is there. They see by your actions who you serve. They hear by your mouth who you serve. They see. They see. And, and they feel, oh, whoa. Until they're drawn by the grace of God in us to that light. Yes? And I love this. In the middle of this, he brings in, and don't forget, beloved, we, through this grace, are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for, for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So here he's going to the hope that we know the Lord Jesus is coming again. We know that he will come for his bride. Amen? It is a blessed hope. We're looking for and longing for his appearing. Remember, I told you, live longing. Live ready. So oil in my lamp, right? Live for him. Look to him. He gave himself for us. He has redeemed us from every lawless deed. So whatever you're going through, you need to say, he's already redeemed me from this. He's already redeemed me from this. He died for me to be free. And he is purifying for himself. That's the goal. He is purifying for himself, his own special people. We are being purified, sanctified, being made ready for Christ, for him, for him who is holy. Amen? And it says through the the other verses I read, it was all about so that they would adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. All this worship goes back to him. That we would adore him. His teachings. His doctrines. His way. His manners. All that he did for us. It's all going back to be prepared for him. And he says, and by the way, these people, they are zealous for good works. Zealous. Religion can make it where it's like something you're going to have to do. No, no. When you're born again from above, you got the spirit in you. You are drawn to help others. You are drawn to meet a need. You're drawn to go above and beyond the hours you were supposed to work. You're drawn to overcome evil with good. You want to do good works. I want to raise the dead. I want to heal the sick. I want to go and pay off that house. I want to build that house. I want to help my neighbor. I want to go take that widow in. It's that. Whatever it may be. Yes? That's Jesus in us. And that's the body of Christ. So it's not just one person doing everything. It's the body of Christ. These are qualities of a sound church and pure doctrine. And he encourages him, speak these things. Teach everybody this. All those that's entrusted to you, Titus, and exhort, encourage them, build them up, and rebuke with all authority. Rebuke with all authority means when they're not walking uprightly, rebuke them in the authority I've given you to bring the correction. Amen? And let no one despise you. Hallelujah. Amen? So now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. So before I read this section, we're going to read 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 11. 
Before I read this, you need to know again that Jesus Christ is pure religion. That Jesus Christ is pure doctrine. So all of his teachings, yes and amen. And all of his demonstrations, yes and amen. He was the word sent to bring the Father's will. He represented the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Yes? So everything he did, the church is supposed to do. Except for one thing. What's that one thing? We're not supposed to die for the sins of the world. He did. But yet we die daily. We take up our cross daily to live for him, crucifying that flesh. <laughs> and you get to choose every day. Everything he did, the church is called to do. See the New Testament for further reading. <laughs> Jesus Christ is pure religion. Amen? Jesus Christ is pure doctrine. <laughs> so 1 Timothy, chapter 1. Now, Kuki's excited about this. The Holy Ghost does. Okay, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which calls disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, which means without guilt and condemnation, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Verse 8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, the disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for the murderers of fathers and the murderers of mothers, for manslayers. For fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there's any other thing that is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to our trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into ministry. Wow. So as he comes in to encourage, he's coming to Timothy. He's encouraging him through this letter. Charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So you've got constantly from every side around you, every side around him, someone that's coming against the word of God and the doctrine of Christ. 
no matter what it's from. Remember, this was in the midst of paganhood, okay? Pagans, heathen, unbelievers, but even those that were of the Jewish faith, the law, they could even combat it with, we've got to go back to the law of Moses. Do you understand? He said, no, Jesus Christ is sound doctrine. And even with what's common in the nation that they lived in here, even what was common at that time for them to always be arguing and bringing in all their false gods and all their mystics and all their genealogies and trying to point out to who they serve and what they serve and when they serve, it just gets all in there. Just muddles the water. When Christ is breaking something open, Jesus, who is pure doctrine, sound doctrine, has to go in. And when he goes in, all those things that kept them in sin, whoo, they manifest against that truth. And God is snatching them out of the ungodly ways. He's snatching them out of their blaspheming thoughts. He's snatching them and changing them of what they were walking in. You understand? He's changing the way they think. Even the law, okay? From which some, he says, have strayed away. They've turned aside to idle talk. And in the body of Christ, that can happen. You can go astray in your heart first and in your mind and in your actions. Okay, so now in verse 8, he says, We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. What law is he talking about? He's talking about the law of Moses. You understand? The law that the Jews were born and raised with that are in our Bible, correct? Okay, so we know this. The law didn't even come for a righteous person, okay? For, but for the lawless and insubordinate, the disobedient, the ungodly, and the sinners, the unholy and profane. And he goes on and on and on. And Jesus Christ fulfilled the law perfectly. He fulfilled it. He obeyed every jot and tittle, everything in this Bible that was right, that was pure, that was holy, that God instructed, that God commanded. He did it all perfectly. Why? Because we couldn't. We wouldn't. We, there was no way we could do this. Someone had to come before us to open up the heart of God to us through his perfect walk, his sacrifice, his love, beloved, his obedience. He did that for us. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled all the law and the prophets. Every word that's spoken of him and that is to come still. He is perfect in all his ways. He is sound doctrine. And by the that's why I say the grace of God, we have entered in. Because like us, we're all going astray. <laughs> Sinners, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Just trying to obey one of the Ten Commandments was difficult. You know? <laughs> and when Jesus says, here's how you sum up all the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, will, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We, whoa, we wrestle with that. But that's why Christ came to show us what this is. This is what love is. And that's why we have the Bible. That's why it's important to read your word. Hear your word. Speak the word. Teach your word to those around you and your families. Correct? Well, I didn't ever hear that. I didn't know that was in the Bible. At least when I got saved, I was like, I didn't know that was in there. Wow. Once you put your eyes in this thing, the spirit of God comes into you and he starts changing you. And we're being changed into the image and likeness of Christ daily. You hear it? it? It just gives God such glory. That Jesus Christ is pure religion. He is pure doctrine. And he's like, I'm charging you, don't teach any other doctrine but Christ. 
Don't teach any doctrine other than what he has done for us. Amen? My goodness. In verse 11, as he went through the list, he's, he's saying, if there's any other doctrine that's contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel, which is what I just told you, of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. We've been committed. The gospel has been committed to us. So I'm a minister. Oh, there's only one who said it. Say, I'm a minister. <laughs> he said, no, I'm not. I'm just a person who goes to church. No, if you've been born again, and Jesus Christ lives inside of you, right? In Ephesians 4, it says, we're going to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That makes you a minister. We are carriers of the glorious gospel. That means we as a family of God that was instructed to Titus as a family, here's what we're going to carry every day, sound doctrine. And representing Christ in the world. Teaching our families and our fathers and our mothers and our children and on and on. This glorious gospel has been entrusted to us. How about that? Shift the way you're thinking from, oh, I have to do this. And I got to act right today. I better act right, man. I better so act right. Don't mess this up at the board meeting. You know, I better act right. Uh, you got to remember, you are blessed to carry. God has entrusted this glorious gospel to us, correct? It's not a burden. It's not. Because the Holy Ghost of Grace is flowing through you and you know the right thing to do. We may not be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But you understand there's a greater good here. And in 12, he says, I just thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. <laughs> because he counted me faithful. Did you know that he has counted you faithful? He's counted you faithful in everything you've been called to do. He has counted you faithful. And if you can't receive this, you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't been able to see this, but you put me in the ministry. I'm a saint of God. I'm, I'm an individual carrying the gospel, the good news of Christ. And everywhere I go, I'm bringing pure doctrine. I'm bringing the way of the Lord. I'm bringing truth and righteousness and holiness in a corrupt world. The greatest honor in life is to be counted by the Lord as a faithful vessel. You hear it? The greatest honor in life, the greatest honor we could ever receive is to be counted by the Lord as a faithful vessel carrying the glorious gospel. Handling the word of God is the highest calling and the greatest responsibility as it is a matter of life and death to those who hear and respond to the preaching of the word. So when we demonstrate it through our actions, our character, our essence, as we preach and teach and instruct others, right? It's, it, it's just a matter of life and death for others. And so it was with us before we got saved. Oh, hallelujah for the grace of God. And so I'm going to close and pray over us that it is something that we must receive today, beloved, and be encouraged by what he is saying and look to God and know that he's already made a way for you to overcome. So let's stand up and let's pray. Father, we receive your word today. We thank you for your encouragement to your church. We thank you for making us living stones, full of life and peace and joy and Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have testified of us of the love of Jesus to all who are round about us. We thank you, Lord, that they will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven.
We thank you, Lord, that we are making a difference. We are seed sown in a corrupt place, but we will not be discouraged. The word of God will not be blasphemed, for the grace of God shall always overcome. We thank you, Lord, that you've empowered us with the same spirit, the same Holy Ghost that you put inside of Jesus. We thank you that we've been baptized in fire and the Holy Ghost to do the works and the acts of God with you to the end. And we ask God that you'll seal these words in our heart, that we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will not be ashamed of holiness and the fear of the Lord. We will not be ashamed for walking in sound doctrine. I pray you bless each and every one that hears these words today and that they would magnify the God of heaven. Seal it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving. And if you need prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.